Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Peter Sherman in for Oakley all week. Let's get started. So I was watching CNBC this morning. You look at that? I often look at uh, the markets because I'm an investor and because it just interests me. And today the talk was of trade and Canada figured prominently, but not in quite the way you might expect. There's a lot of hype coming out of Washington suggesting that a Mexico-USA trade deal is just a smidgen away from being announced. The guest on Squawk Box was Miriam Sapiro, former deputy U.S. trade representative. I guess a person knows what she's talking about. In other words, knowledgeable and plugged in. And uh, she knows her way around the trade issues, which America faces right now with China and the EU and Mexico and, of course, us. She said that striking a deal with Mexico and bringing Canada in this week would be, her words, big. And by big, she meant sufficiently big to demonstrate to others, notably China, that the current administration actually can create workable trade accords. Interestingly, as an American talking with American media, and through that, two Americans, Ms. Sapiro was expressing concern about American cost of goods, American companies, and the effect of tariffs on, for example, the American GDP. She seems to feel that NAFTA should continue, and seeing it do so sends a big and positive signal. And she cited Canada's need to give on dairy industry protection sufficient to allow the Americans to be happy, and that in turn would apparently impress the Chinese enough to potentially allay escalation of an existing trade war to $200 billion in tariffs between the two countries, and of course the uh, retaliations. Now it seems the Americans may be a bit more anxious than we've been thinking. They dropped an agricultural demand due to a strong effort from the Mexican farm lobby, so there is push and shove on both sides, and as America seeks to announce a successful resolution by midweek, uh, that's in the next 48 hours, then we get into the Canadian issues. Can we agree that 75% component level of cars heading to the United States be made in North America, or on the introduction of a five-year renewable sunset clause for NAFTA, and what about scrapping supply management in the dairy industry? All those questions are on the table. Now, President Trump has spoken of Canada and negotiations recently this way. We're not negotiating with Canada right now. Their tariffs are too high. Their barriers are too strong. So we're not even talking to them right now. But we'll see how that works out. It'll only work out to our favor. But it may be a fair amount of bravado. As insiders say, there is pressure to complete a three-way NAFTA agreement by the end of this month to allow the American Congress to review the deal before December which is uh, December 1st particularly, is the day that Mexico's new president takes office. We in Canada are in the gun sights on the one hand, but America can't be so intransigent that it winds up with no deals at all before entering the major negotiations scheduled with China. Not having trade agreements with China, the EU, or its North American partners could put even the mighty United States in a situation where GDP is affected negatively and domestic unrest ensues on the one hand. On the other, 
A billion dollars plus of border trade traffic every day is a huge amount of bilateral exchange, and that's the Canada-U.S. relationship currently, as it has been for a number of years. They're paying more for lumber. We're paying more for Kentucky bourbon and Heinz products, and we're paying more for aluminum and steel, both of us. Why needlessly burden any economy that way? We spoke last week with two people who study trade and the underlying political relationships on, uh, I guess, August 14th. Mark Warner, exceptionally knowledgeable international trade lawyer, practices here in Toronto and in the United States, joined us, and here's what he had to say. But for some reason, Mexico decides we've got everything we want on autos, and Trump's agreeing not to you know, you know, beat us over the head anymore. You know, we've got some language that will work for us on the sunset clause. And if, if, if there are like five or six or, you know, issues like that, investor state or whatever, and they come back to the table with a FedEx to Canada, what then does Canada do? Say, oh, no, we'd like to reopen everything to include us because we weren't at the table. I think that's the question when it's not clear what would Mexico do. Would Mexico say, Justin, we love you so much that we actually want to reopen the negotiations that we just hammered out with the United States? Or would both of those countries at that point say, Canada, you've got that other Canada-U.S. free trade agreement. Why don't you go back to that? We've got our agreement with the United States, and we're going to go forward with that. So that's the threat. And I guess it's what we're doing is we're betting, this I think is really what the government of Canada is doing, it's betting that the Americans and the Mexicans cannot come to an agreement on autos or on anything else. And so when they actually do come back to negotiate a week or two weeks from now, Canada will step right back in and it will be a tripartite negotiation. So we're making a lot of bets here at the table, it seems to be. It also it seems to me that we're going to wind up, if you're right, back in a negotiation where if uh, if our representatives continue to take the, the kind of stance that they took before, that we're playing with fire. Well, we are, because, you know, Trump is a guy who likes leverage. I mean, we know that. We know that across the board, from his business interactions, from the way he got the you know, his party's uh, nomination. And so if we, there's no progress on NAFTA, you know, he has threatened those auto tariffs. As for our regular Friday contributor, Conrad Black, he jumped into the debate and demonstrated optimism. He thinks a three-way NAFTA will materialize and is in everybody's interest. I think in general, they just want to fine-tune the Canadian part of NAFTA. The real problem is always with Mexico, and it appears that they're making good progress, and it appears the outgoing and incoming presidents of Mexico are cooperating, so they've got a, a coherent negotiation in progress with the United States running up to the inauguration of their new president there. And uh, I, I mean, I understand, and I don't want to be glib about it, a guy in the software lumber business or couple of these other things that have been focused on certain types of dairy operations and so forth, mm. you, you could sweat it. I understand that. But, you know, that's life. But the, it, is the president of the U.S. bound to hammer the hell out of Canada or any, no, any segment of the Canadian economy? No, he isn't. Absolutely not. Bottom line here is this. We want to sit down with the United States, and we should want to sit down with the United States, we have heard uh, leader after leader tut our relationship over decades. Longest unguarded border in the world. Yes, they've always said that to be discussed at another time. Best friends forever. Duality in our heritage. All that stuff, and it's quite true. However, like him or not, Trump is at the helm and determined to show his people he can make better deals than anyone else on everything, which naturally includes trade. It's the centerpiece of his slogan, Make America Great Again. He suggests that by guarding against outsiders dumping their goods into the United States, with the U.S. paying too much for them, uh, Americans are put out of work 
And uh, that's a stretch, but the country is rocking. Over 4% GDP and under 4% unemployment. And as far as Canada, we may have some protected industries that need another go-around, but we may also be the only country where the United States enjoys a trade surplus. That means we buy more from them than they buy from us. Now, I've expressed ongoing worry about our auto industry. It's under threat. We make about 2.5 million cars and ship about 95% to the United States. So there's good reason for concern. That said, the rubber hits the road within days, perhaps within hours. The major issues are getting by Foreign Minister Christian Freeland's wish to see the NAFTA agreement address gender equality and the indigenous peoples. Forget about that. The concept that our dairy producers are inviolate and that supply management could be a deal-breaker issue is or should be unacceptable to the rest of us, and arguing over a sunset clause of five years or whatever the period should be, uh, it's a non-issue. There's always been a six-month opt-out, and the original NAFTA contained a sunset clause in the first place. So I may not like our government much, but I'll tell you this, they could do a lot to redeem themselves if they just sat down, talked turkey, and got this thing done. Going to take some calls on this, so the lines are uh, going to open right now, 870-6400 and star 640. Your reaction to what I've just said, what do you think is going to happen? What should happen right now? Have we been too rigid? I've said yes, you may disagree. Should we demonstrate flexibility? Give some to get some. Or do we cut off our nose to spite our face and stand our ground and say we're not giving an inch? You tell me, 416-870-6400, star 640, Peter Sherman, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.